0: Well, if you'll find a copy of God's Word, which you'll find uh, either in the pew in front of you, it is also provided for you in your, uh, in your worship bulletins. This morning we are looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, if you ever want a, a really good summary of the gospel, I do commend to you the first uh, 12 verses, excuse me, 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 15. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful text. We pick up in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But... But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all things, all his enemies, under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, when the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all." The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God, it shall stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are thankful for your word. And Lord, I pray that in our time together, uh, you would send your spirit, uh, Lord, into our hearts. For those who don't know you, that they would come to know you. For those who do know you, that they would trust all the more. We pray for unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask it. Amen. What's so important about the empty tomb? What if when the ladies went to dress Jesus' body, to put perfume on his dead body on Sunday morning early, what if they had found Jesus' body? What if they had found that which they had expected to see? Would that really have mattered? What difference would it make in your life? What difference would it make in our church, our church gatherings, our worship services, our family night services, our weddings and our funerals? Couldn't we just keep on going with the Christian life if the body of Jesus had been in that grave? This last Wednesday, you know, it's a dangerous thing to become the youth director of our church. So... (laughs) Mark Jessup, uh, who's not our current youth director, uh, a couple of youth directors ago, the first day of his job, he totaled his car. I get a call on Wednesday at 4.30. I was hoping to leave a little early. I get a call from our new youth director at 4.30. I said, I better take this. And he was on the side of the road because one of the tires to the church van had shredded, and he was sitting on the rim, right, in traffic up Belleville. How important is a good tire to a car? Right? Without four of those, it's just really an expensive lawn ornament. So, when we think about Christianity without an empty tomb, you cannot have Christianity without the empty tomb. In fact, it wouldn't just be less helpful, it would be a lie. And it would be harmful because we would be proclaiming a Savior who said that He would rise from the dead. And apparently He was just a lunatic or a liar. Paul puts it this way in verse 19. If in Christ we hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, then Christianity is worthless. It's vain, futile, and harmful. My friends, is it important to you? Have you seen the importance of, have you experienced the impact of, the empty tomb of Easter morning? Let's remember how we got to this empty tomb. You'll remember that Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, achieved on the cross that which we could not do. He paid the penalty for our sins. This is what He came to do, to save His people from their sins, according to Matthew chapter 1. And this He did on the cross after living a perfect life, the life that you and I have failed to do. And He paid for our sins by suffering not just the physical pains of being nailed to the cross that would have hurt bad enough, but the greater pain was a spiritual pain as His Father poured out His righteous anger that you and I deserve upon Him. Isaiah 53 says it pleased the Lord, it was the will of the Lord that He would crush the servant, that He would crush His Son. He crushed Him for you and for me. Jesus was and is perfect. He didn't deserve what He got. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin. So in Him we might become the very righteousness of God, the very thing that is required for salvation. We cannot work up our own righteousness. We can't work up our emotional wills in order to to make God love us. Rather, something outside of us had to happen because God loved us in order for us to be reconciled to God. You know, he did this not because he was forced to by the bonds that were on his hands. He was not held there by the nails upon the cross. The spears of the soldiers are not what kept him from coming down from the cross, those things he did willingly, lovingly, for you and for me. And then he died. Then he died. He really was dead. The veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and he was laid in a borrowed tomb. Two men Out of all his followers, just two men had the guts to go and ask for his body. They were asking for the body of a cursed man. You normally don't want to be affiliated with a cursed man. But indeed, our very salvation is based on us being affiliated in a cursed man, the man, the advocate, the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus went and they got the body of Jesus They dressed it quickly, and then it was night. It was night, and so his body lay in the grave Friday into Saturday. By the way, you know, we say that Jesus was raised on the third day. How do you get three days out of Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Let me tell you. It's because in the Jewish mind, any part of one day counts as a whole day. So Friday is one, Saturday is two, and Sunday is three. So on the third day, he rose again from the dead. The disciples were downtrodden on that dark Sabbath day. They thought the one that was the Messiah who had come to redeem Israel, they thought He was dead. And they were right. He was dead. But there was a part of the story they had forgotten. There was a part of the story they didn't understand. See, on Sunday, the first day of the week, several ladies, godly, faithful ladies... We should be careful before we speak too lowly of them. They did expect to see a dead body. But where were the disciples? Where were the eleven? Not there. They at least loved Jesus enough to go and seek out his body, even, even erroneously. They went, though, looking for a dead body. But when they arrived, Jesus' body wasn't there, it hadn't been stolen. They had forgotten or not believed what Jesus had told them time and time again, like in Luke 18, that the Son of Man will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spat upon. And after flogging Him, they will kill Him. On the third day, He will rise. He had told them time and time again, Hey guys, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise. But praise be to God that the actions of Easter morning were... We're not hindered by the weak faith of Jesus' disciples. Isn't it good to know that when you and I struggle, that God's faithfulness to His Word, to follow through on His promises, those things aren't tied to whether I'm having a good day or a bad day with my faith. The tomb was empty. It is a fact. And it was going to happen so that we might trust in Christ, so that we might have salvation. There were angels at the tomb. If, uh, if this was the southern version, they would have said, look, you dummies. right?" But instead they said, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? What a great line. It would be going like going out to Union Cemetery and looking for someone who had just gotten out of the hospital. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Why is this empty tomb so important? Well, Paul tells us in our text today that our faith would be vain, futile. What do those words mean? They mean worthless, empty, void, no good, expired, like a rotten board it would not hold us. Why would it be worthless? Because faith in a dead Savior will get you nowhere. A dead Savior cannot help us. A dead Savior cannot save us. What can a dead Savior do for us? Nothing. The dead have no power. Can a a dead person give you power over sin, help in time of distress, deliver you from evil, establish his kingdom, provide for your needs, convict you of your sin, give you peace? No, but our Savior is alive. The tomb was empty, and my friends, we live in Christ. We trust in a living Savior who now lives and reigns together with the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. How important is the empty tomb? Now here's the thing, the tomb was empty. If you're not a believer here, I'm so thankful you're here today. And one thing you have to grapple uh, grapple with is the fact that the, the tomb is an historical fact that it was empty. In fact, we have hostile sources outside of the Bible making fun of Christians, right? And those texts tell us that the grave was empty. It is an historical fact. And you have to do something with that. And it is the linchpin upon which everything in life hinges. We're having a bunch of folks over for lunch today. If you don't have somewhere to go, come have lunch with us. And so I was thinking, I've got to get my yard looking better. I can't have all these people in it looking this bad. And so I, I, I did the edging, I love the edger. Man, that just it makes it look so much better. And, and, I, and I got out uh, my mower and I was m- I mowed the front yard, the, the, the two parts of my front yard and I made three laps around the backyard. And then there was this piece of wood, and I was in a hurry. And I said, oh, I'll be fine. I just, so I ran over the wood, and, uh, you know, the, all the, the wood's going everywhere. I don't have the little flap that keeps it from flying everywhere anymore. And, and then I realized it doesn't sound right anymore. And, and I looked down, and, and it was still making the noise, but it wasn't the... It was like... And there was nothing shooting out the side, no wood nor grass. And so I got down, and I, I turned it off first. That's important. Uh, and, I, and I looked down, and my belt was loose around all the pulleys. Now, I've done the pulley thing a lot. You know, In fact, I have a diagram taped inside my storage room so I don't have to go search for it again. Cause there are like ten pulleys that has to go around. And the belt was loose, but it wasn't broken. And there was one piece that was missing. Do you know the spring tensioner on that thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? See, there's this spring tensioner that connects to one pulley on here that keeps the belt tight. And it it runs from one of the pulleys into a hole that goes down inside the mower deck. And the thing that goes down inside the mower deck is exactly about half an inch. That's, That's it. That's all that goes down in there. And the wood had hit that one piece, a half inch, in the entire mower deck. And it had broken off. I have two coming from Amazon. Here's the thing. How important is that piece to the mower? It, it seems like a small thing, but without it, it does no good. Without the resurrection, without the resurrection, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Because it means that sin's power and guilt have not been broken Verse 17, and if Christ has not been saved, your faith is futile, just like my mower. I mean, my mower was futile yesterday. That's a great image of our faith if Christ had not been raised, right? Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. See, Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins, to pay the penalty. But, you know, if he had stayed dead, what would have said about his sacrifice? It wouldn't have worked. Jesus would have been a lunatic to say, I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. So what? He died on the cross. How do we know it worked? What does that achieve us? A dead Savior cannot save us. But y'all, he was raised on the third day. The Roman soldiers didn't misread the signs of death. These folks were really good at killing people. And even if he hadn't died because of the wounds upon the cross, they had almost killed him with the scourge. Many people died before they got to the cross. He couldn't have walked around for weeks. Romans 4.25, he was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Because the tomb is empty, there is hope for vile, wretched sinners like you and like me. And the first thing we know, the power and the guilt, the guilt of sin has been taken care of. Because the tomb is empty we can trust those words of Romans 8, verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We deserve to be condemned, and if we're not in Christ, we are condemned. But Christ took the condemnation, the just wrath of God, the just wrath that you and I deserve on the cross. He took the condemnation, and because of that, we are no longer condemned if we are believers. But a dead Savior couldn't do that. But the power of sin has also been broken. Isn't that good news? The power of sin, I mean, for believers here, sin is still so powerful, isn't it? When I was uh, growing up, you know, back in the, day, the days of cassette tapes, right? Those good old cassette tapes. You know, we used to use them for French class. And so we had parlay the français into the tape, and then we would turn them into the teacher and she would grade us, and then afterwards was the fun part. We'd take this electromagnet that she had on her desk, and we'd run it over the tape and it would erase the tape. But the electromagnet was fun for other things, too. Can't you imagine? It had great impact on the paper clips and the pins and everything else on her table as well. Now, now here's the thing: the, the paper clips were they were completely powerless to resist the pull of the electromagnet. There's nothing in them that could stop it. And before we are Christians, if you don't know Jesus, before we are Christians, we are powerless to the pull of sin in our lives. We cannot say no to it. It's what we're born into. But Christ has come and He has cut the power of sin. Because we have Christ in us, the Holy Spirit living in us, because of the empty tomb, the power has been cut, broken, disrupted, and short-circuited because the tomb was empty. How important is the empty tomb to our everyday lives? We are forgiven our sins, and we can now say no to the sin. Because something more powerful, something greater than the power of sin has happened, it is the power of the empty tomb. Our Christ, our King, our Savior, has broken sin's power and pull upon us. Praise be to God. But it also means that there is hope for those who are dead in Christ. I am but a young man, 37 and a half years old now, and I've attended uh, 12 funerals of family members, my family members and Christie's family members. 12. Some of them I've preached. The vast majority of those, praise God, were believers, not all of them. The question is what is the empty tomb? What is the impact of the empty tomb upon those who are dead in Christ? That means those who, are, who were believers, still are, and who have died. What about them? The Corinthian church wanted to know. Because the empty tomb, we know the words of Jesus in John 11 are true. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes and lives, excuse me, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I've noticed that as you get older, the more people you know start dying. Right. Many of you have had this experience. One of my, um, my mother's very best friend's husband just died. Lived across the street from us. Wonderful man. Our Savior is so powerful, so alive that His power is not confined to those who are living, but also to those who are dead. Indeed, those who are in Christ, that is believers, are now with Christ. Though they died, yet they live. They live in heaven with our God. Their fleshly bodies may be in the ground, but their souls have been perfected and were immediately ushered into the presence of God. Because of the empty tomb, we know that those who have gone before us who love Jesus, are, they are secure in Christ, in Heaven. How do we know this? Because the tomb was empty. Christ changed the experience of death for those who know Christ. Right? He has changed the experience for all believers. Now it is not the end of a good thing. Rather, it is the beginning of something so amazing, so unimaginable, all because the tomb was empty. And while we can entrust our believing loved ones to Christ and death because of the empty tomb, there is something even greater. Because there is coming a day because of the empty tomb that death will be no more. Imagine, if you will, uh, Bruton, without the following businesses. The medical center, the hospital gone, Cottrell's, Walgreens, Bruton Medical Center Pharmacy, and the pharmacy at Walmart, all gone. Dr. Morgan's office, Dr. LaDuca's office, the surgical center, no more ambulance, sirens, or late-night calls. Dialysis center has gone. Hospice and home care, words of the past. Union, Green Acres, Fort Crawford, Weaver, Beulah, Brown, Baptist Hill, Travis, and Pilgrim's Rest cemeteries, all gone. Cravers, Williams, Christian Brothers, and Presley Fluker funeral homes, gone. Death pervades our lives so much that we don't know what life would be without it. And yet, 40 days after rising from the dead, our Savior would ascend into heaven, where He now sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. He is the King on the throne, and we read in verses 25 and 26, for He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death has been transformed for the believer because of the empty tomb. But that's not enough. That's not enough. Because of the empty tomb, one day death itself will be gone. Revelation 20 actually tells us this. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Is the empty tomb important? It must be pretty important if it has the power to even bring down death itself. But finally... Did you also know that because Christ was raised from the dead, that we will too one day? Jesus received his body back from the grave on the third day. And if we die before Christ comes back, then our souls go immediately to heaven, our bodies to the ground. But when Christ returns, the graves will be emptied. That's really going to happen. It's not a fairy tale. Just as surely as the grave was empty on the third day, so when Christ comes again, the tombs will be emptied. And those who love Jesus, their, their bodies will be raised from the dead to, to an imperishable life. And our bodies and our souls be reunited, and we will live with God forever in the new heavens and the new earth. We learn this in verse 23. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Is the empty tomb important to you? It was empty. It was empty. It was empty. There's no getting around that. Something happened on the third day after this man who said he was the Messiah who came to die for our sins. Something happened in history. Jesus is alive. What impact does that make upon you? There is a living Savior. His name is Jesus. He is King. In our risen King and Lord, He calls all to repentance, all to salvation. That which He has accomplished at the cross and the empty grave on the third day, that it might be applied to you, that it might become yours. Do you still bear the record of your sin? Someone will bear it, either you or Christ. If Christ has borne it upon the cross, then your sins have been forgiven. If not, then you will stand before God, and have to answer yourself. For those who are in Christ, Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Are you in Christ? Do you know Him? What difference has the empty tomb made to you? May you soon be able to cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the empty tomb. May its import be ever upon our hearts and our minds. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.